So I've spoken recently about the idea that religion slash spirituality, call it what you will, has been essentially hijacked by by corporations. It's been industrialized. It's been corporatized. It's been placed on a in a hierarchy, basically. And as is most hierarchical structures, it's top down. And I suppose that's that's essentially the opposite to the whole off the lead approach. This idea of top down. So there's the the anointed ones are at the top of the pyramid and shit rolls downhill basically. The off the lead mentality of that is that the majority, the people at the bottom of the pyramid, the people who make up the bulk of the population or the bulk of an industry or the bulk of whatever it is that you're talking about, we're the ones who should be in control. Now, the way it works in a democracy is everybody hypothetically is at the bottom of the pyramid and you hold elections, democratic elections, whereby the best of the best are voted by the majority. They rise to the top and the people at the bottom choose who gets who is put at the top of the pyramid. Because as much as you mightn't like hierarchical structures and as much as you mightn't like top-down anything, the alternative to that is essentially the whole too many cooks spoil the broth. The idea being that in a kitchen environment, say, where you're cooking meals, there should be one chef because the chef decides what's happening. You have half a dozen chefs in the room and one chef will want to do one thing and the other chef will want to do another thing. And there's no there's no clear or direct leadership. But the, the word leadership reminds me of a quote from one of my boyfriends, Michael Mannis. Those who need leaders are unqualified to vote for them. And there's something about that. There's something about the idea that there's a, there's a potential downside to a massive group of people voting for a small group of people. Because if you need leadership, then you're unqualified to vote for your leadership. Now, that's not a fucking natural law by any stretch of the imagination, but it is an interesting musing. And it reminds me of another phenomenon. I don't know what the umbrella term for this is. I'm sure there is one, but the sentiment of it is if you have a big perspex jar of fucking sweets, like there's thousands and thousands of sweets in them, and you ask somebody, how many sweets do you think is in this big jug? They'll throw out a wildly inaccurate estimation because, you know, we're not great with big numbers like that and we're not great with visualisations and we're not great with judging things generally that we're not familiar with. So you ask one person, they'll say something stupid like 200. You'll You'll ask somebody else and they'll say something equally stupid like 5 million. But if you ask enough people, and I don't know what the critical mass is, I don't know how many people you have to ask, but the the bigger the group, the better. You ask 10,000 people how many sweets are in the jug, and you then average the answer, or the answers, should I say. It's incredibly accurate. And this is this is observed in in all in all manner of examples, none of which I have to hand, but you get the sentiment. A person is a person is stupid, but people can be smart. Now, there's perversions of that as well, because you have things like mobs and you when you look at mob mentality you can see how a person is incredibly smart and a group of people can be incredibly stupid 
But I think that the fact that humanity has managed to last as long as it has is an indication that, you know, we can do it. Like, we've been essentially the same for the best part of 100,000 years and we're fucking still here. If anything, we're doing better than ever before. And I mean that strictly from a population base. I mean, there's, there's never been nearly as many people as there have been before. Now, I'm not claiming that that's a good metric for the health of a, a population of a species. I mean, if we were absolutely overran by rats, you wouldn't think that was a good thing. Would it be a good thing for the rats? Who knows? Is more of any given population always a good thing? I suppose it depends on its effect on other species. So when you, looked at, when you look at our effect on other species, you know, geez, maybe not so much. But I suppose the point that I'm striving to make here is we've been around for a very long time. We're getting on ground for the most part. We've been able to govern ourselves or be governed by kings or queens or dictators or what have you for God knows how long. And there's been, you know, pluses and minuses on both sides. But the the all-encompassing idea here is that we've fucking managed to do it. But these days, and increasingly so, I would argue, there's been multiple perversions happening. And you can see this, I think most clearly in the example I gave the other day in relation to fame. You have an industry of fame. Instead of the phenomena of fame, which has been around forever, we've always liked and idolised people who are really smart, really fast, really strong, really brave, whatever it is. Really empathetic, really good with children, like people who've excelled at whatever discipline have been put up on a pedestal. And that's perfectly natural and it's perfectly fine. But what we have now is an industry based around these principles. So we have corporations who own the different pedestals in the different categories, say. And they, to a large degree, decide who gets put on the pedestal and for how long. And who gets put on it is typically down to either how much money they're currently generating for the owner of said pedestal or the anticipation that this person can and will create a fortune for the owner of the pedestal moving forward. And I think it's fair to say that the exact same thing has happened to our political discourse. Politics has essentially evolved out of the human experience. It's, it's, it's part and parcel of human culture and human society. But like a lot of things, it's been corrupted or there's been a perversion placed upon it from corporate interest. And I think this is summarised quite well in a Robin Williams quote. Quote, Politicians should wear sponsor jackets like NASCAR drivers. Then we'd know who owns them. End quote. Because there's something fucking to that. And again, it kind of paints a picture. And as the cliche goes, a picture paints a thousand words. When you look at Formula One, let's say, or NASCAR, or whether it's a a jockey or even a snooker player or whatever else, any kind of celebrity in the public eye, endorsements is a huge part of, of sport generally these days. And there's something to that. Like So if Nike, for example, are sponsoring Hussein Bolt, He'll be covered in fucking night ticks. And if they'd let him, he'd have, or if he'd let them, they'd have Nike tattooed across his fucking forehead. It's front and centre. Think about that. Think of, think of the sponsors of your favourite football team. 
how do you know who sponsors them? It's written on the front of their fucking jersey. It's plastered all over their stadium. It's on all the ads. It's everywhere. Everywhere they can slap a sign to remind you that they're giving them money. They'll slap it. But when it comes to politics, just as much, if not more, money is involved. Just as much sponsorship is involved. But there's not a fucking brand label to be seen anywhere. Like, do you think that's an oversight? Do you think they're missing a trick there? I fucking doubt it. Like, that's intentional. The fact that they're not front and centre is the whole point. Because they want to... They want to have the people who are voting for these people under the impression that they're not influenced. And if anything, they, they do the opposite of corporate sports sponsors. They go out of their way to hide the money that they're giving to politicians. Technically, I don't think they're sponsors. They're, you know, they've donated. It's, it's donations or contributions. These are all fucking euphemisms. They're buying politicians left and right. That's the name of the game. Because by the, for the most part, politicians and political parties set the rules. And they set the rules for you and me, but they also set the rules that corporations have to abide by. So there's obviously a massive incentive here for corporate interests to essentially buy politicians. Because once you've bought said politicians, you can exert influence over these people. And just to give a real base example, if one of your main sponsors is an oil baron and something comes up in political discourse that has to decide on what tax said oil baron is going to have to pay, well, if, you're, if practically all your funding or a massive amount of your funding or the reason that maybe that you got into power in the first place was through donations from such an oil baron, you're not going to jack the fucking price up on them because you won't get the funding come next election and you're not going to get into power. And again, this whole perversion of our, of our discourse, there was a time when becoming a politician was a calling. It was a, it was a duty, it was a civil service. And your main preoccupation as a politician was to do well by the people that had elected you. But these days increasingly so, they're not as elected by the people who voted for them, as they are elected by the people who give them a load of money so that they could influence a big swath of the population. And it's all essentially downhill from here. You get put into your position of power through essentially a lie and it just gets progressively worse from there. Because instead of instead of your dictate being to do well by the people who got you there... Oh, sorry, no, that, that stays the same. You have to do well by the... You have to do well by the people who got you there. But increasingly so these days, the people who got you there are large corporate donors. Not the, not the electorate. The electorate are too busy worrying about the war in Ukraine and about transgender swimmers and about who slapped who at the Oscars and all the other nonsense that's in the quote-unquote news these days. Keep them ill-informed and distracted. That's the name of the game. And if you, for example, own the fucking press, you get to decide what what gets spoken about. And more importantly, you get to decide what doesn't get spoken about. So even the few odd people here and there who do take an interest in politics and do take an interest in current affairs and foreign policy and politics generally, for the most part, these people are being fed narratives. Even the guys who do care. They're all being fed the same thing. And if you want to think the same as everybody else, 
you should listen to the same thing that everybody else is listening to. And even that, that, that what they do there, the way they, they silo us into different camps depending on what type of news you like, whether it's Fox or CNN or whatever else, or RTE or the BBC. Like people hold these institutions close to their heart. Like people, people generally have a lot of time for the institutions they get their news from. And in a way, they, they kind of have to because they, they can't simultaneously distrust and dislike an organisation on one hand and on the other hand, lap up everything that they fucking feed them. So if, if you've been consuming a certain narrative for years, you'll go out of your way to defend the people giving you that narrative. Because if you admit to being spun a particular narrative, you're admitting to being a bit fucking clueless. So people will bend over backwards to defend where they get their news from. Because to say anything else is just an admission that they've been led blindly down the garden path their entire fucking life. And I suppose as the old adage goes, the first step in rectifying a problem is identifying it. And as I've mentioned only recently, identifying something and being aware of something, that's not your end game. Your end game is 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 incorporating it. The end game is in integrating it, to be more specific. You have to build it into your life. You have to make it part of you. It's like, on one hand, knowing you should eat healthily and do a bit of exercise. But knowing it is one thing. You have to embody it. You have to embrace it. You have to build it into your life. So in the same sense that knowing you should eat clean and exercise every so often is is great. It's fucking useless without actually integrating it and embodying it. But I suppose the, the hardest part of it is is kind of breaking free from from what you're what you've been what you've been steeped in your entire life. We've we've effectively we've been effectively swimming in this stuff. Swimming in these perversions. They've become normalized, hyper normalized. But I suppose just because you're swimming in it doesn't mean you have to drink it. And on that note, I'll catch you tomorrow.